anything you have need of. The supernatural is in action right now. If you believe it, will you just shout out to the Lord? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm remiss. I was, I was going to tease uh, Brother Josh, and then I got on and realized that I hadn't wrote those announcements down, so he couldn't really, <laughs> couldn't really read them. That's my fault. Uh, but uh, there will be a sign-up sheet for the training uh, ministry class uh, in the foyer immediately after service. Also, meeting for all those individuals uh, involved in the bail outreach. That will be on the 15th. And then finally, uh, the calendar planning session for all the department heads will be at 3.30 p.m. on the 19th. If you have any questions, see me after service. Now that that boring stuff's out of the way, who's excited to be in the house of God? Amen. Amen. If you would, turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to get right into the word. Genesis chapter 12. This is something that's been on my heart for the last few weeks. Uh, I was actually talking to a, a young man several weeks ago, and something he said stood out to me, and I, I started reading uh, specifically about Abraham and about his life. And this, this has just kind of been uh, sitting on my mind for a while. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him, and Abram was 75, excuse me, 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. If you'll close your Bibles and you'll pray with me. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your word, for your testament, God, for your truth that we hold here in our very hands. We're so thankful and we're so blessed to have the opportunity to delve into this word tonight, God. I pray that every heart would be open to receive what you have in store, Jesus. Speak to us, minister to us. In your precious name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. There's a... Thank you, sir. There is something so profound that happens in everyone's life. At some point in time, someone will tell you what they think you should be. Or they will tell you what they think you're cut out to do. Or they will tell you what you're not cut out to do. Anybody ever been there before? The thing is, is some of those words of wisdom are actually words of wisdom. And sometimes those words can damage and affect you for the rest of your life. It's all about the source and the inspiration of that source. I want to talk a little bit today about an idol maker or a king maker. An idol maker or a king maker. 
See, how many of you have ever heard the saying, blood's thicker than water? Blood is thicker than water. And a lot of times, the only people that you can rely on are your family. But sometimes, the only thing you can rely on them to do is hold you back. (laughs) Now, I've been very blessed. I've been very fortunate. I have an amazing family who has only ever uh, kicked my rear end into gear. (laughs) They never held me back. They've always uh, propelled me, possibly at a rate faster than which I was comfortable with. But uh, that's... That's A-OK. you got to learn how to swim fast when you get in on the deep side. But I, I look through this building, and I see a lot of people this evening who have been told very specific things about what they are able to do, what they are capable to do, what their destiny is, what their destiny is not. We just all raised our hands and said we'd had someone speak into our lives at some point or another with something very similar to that. You have been told what you are to do or what you are not to do or what you can do or what you are capable of, so on and so forth. And some of those words have been correct and some of those words have been incorrect. I was, I've told this story a, a couple times before uh, and uh, a very close friend of mine, some of you know him, uh, in this room, but he was a youth pastor that I worked with in Arizona. His name is Israel Hogan. He talked about how he, he, he was preaching a message on legacy, and he talked about how he, he one day uh, he had reached an all-time low, and he realized, hey, I have ended up exactly like the guy I said I didn't want to end up like. Sometimes in life that happens, but he made a distinct choice right there. I'm not going to allow that legacy, if you will, to be my legacy. And he made a conscious decision to change, to turn. And it was shortly thereafter that uh, he did, he was rebaptized in Jesus' name. He was refilled with the Holy Ghost, and God began to do uh, amazing things in his life. It did take him about 10 years to get to where he is now, but. You know, we're all easier or harder to work with to some degree. But I want to talk about an idol maker or a king maker. And Abraham, or as we know him in this portion of scripture, Abram, is a perfect example of this. Actually, he's pretty much the only example of this in the scripture. See, because Abram, he came from a very interesting background. He was a first generation, if you will. But how many of you are, have someone in your family or you are part currently of a, a family business, a family trade? Okay, nobody? All right. Well, I guess that works out. Well, Abram, he was part of what you would call the family business. And Abram's family business was idol making. You see, his father... His father was Terah, and Terah had probably told Abram since he was a little boy, look, kid, my grandfather was an idol maker. My father was an idol maker. I'm an idol maker. You're going to be an idol maker. I'm very sure that was what was pumped into Abram's mind from the time he was little. 
Or it, it, it never even had to be verbally said. That was the subliminal. Look, this is the family business. When Pops hands it down, I'm going to be an idol maker. Are you all with me? But the Lord comes along and in chapter 12 of the book of Genesis, it says in verse 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. You see, the Lord, he's always looking. I've often pondered this, Brother Ham. How many different individuals did the Lord have to come to before Abraham answered? There was absolutely, you know, as human beings, we have the, uh, we have the audacity, if you will, to think we're actually that special. There was absolutely nothing super special about Abram other than the fact that he responded. My question is, how many people did the Lord have to petition? How many people did the Lord have to touch, have to speak to before Abram responded? He's just seeking. You see, we, we, in this very same portion of Scripture, we see that the Lord is referencing something that's very important to us as spiritual beings. Blessings and curses. Blessings and curses. And generational curses are, are legitimate things. It, we see it multiple times in Scripture. The only thing that can break a generational curse is a generational blessing. How do we know? Noah. Uh, I'm going to tell you a story about a, about a kid who got it really rough. So Noah comes along, and one day he hears a word from the Lord. And everybody thinks he's a little nuts. I want you to build a boat, Noah. Something is going to come out of the sky. It's called rain. It's going to flood the whole earth. Noah obeys, builds a boat, preaches for an incredibly long time, and no one listens. Finally, the rain comes. Everybody gets on the boat. Everybody that listened, that is. It says, just his family, just his three sons, their wives. They get on the boat. You know the story. They're out there 40 days and 40 nights. It rains. And after several days, the water finally subsides. I think it's like 100, 150 days. The water finally subsides. And they're able to come out on dry land. And it says that Noah became a, a he pretty much got, got a, a, a little a hint of the green thumb. And he decided to take up gardening. And he planted himself a vineyard. And before you know it, Noah was getting a little tipsy off his own product. Rule number one, never partake of your own product. <laughs> so Noah, he finds himself in a, a rather uh, shady affair where he's laid out buck naked in his own living room. And Ham, his son, comes in. Now, Whitney and I, we were actually... We're, Yes, we are all caught up on our bread program. All four or five days of it. Yeah, gangsters. All five days of it. But um, some of y'all laugh, but you ain't caught up. Um, but we were talking, and, and Whitney asked, you know, I don't understand the why, what, what happened there. And there's a lot of confusion about why Noah uh, was angry. See, because it actually wasn't really Ham's fault. 
Ham just came up in the living room and there was Noah sprawled out buck naked. He didn't, it was completely unintentional. What was wrong was that Ham went back out to the boys and was like, hey guys, you got to come take a peek at this. Dad sprawled out buck naked in the living room. That's what was wrong. And when Noah came to and he realized, man, I've been an idiot, but Ham has been a bigger idiot. You know what he does? It's messed up. And this is the guy that the story's all about. He says, because you've done this, Canaan. Canaan. Canaan is going to be the servant of servants because you've done this. Canaan wasn't, I don't even know if Canaan was in the picture. Canaan is Ham's son. One of his four sons. One of his four sons. That's some bad odds, man. You just got, you got picked. You had the short straw. You know what? Canaan. Canaan is cursed because of what you did. But there, right there in Scripture, we see an enactment of a generational curse. He said his sons and their sons, they're going to be, they're going to be servants of servants. Canaan will. Canaan's people will because of what you did. That's a generational curse. That's a powerful thing. Because of what you did, your son and his sons and his sons are going to be servants of servants. All because Ham made one small wrong move that ended up being not so small of a wrong move. The only thing, though, that can retract a generational curse is a generational blessing. But as we know, the Canaanites, they turned into a real problem child throughout Scripture. And there's all kinds of ites, and they multiplied. And most of their stories aren't positive. But we see the power of a generational curse. You see how quickly you can do one seemingly insignificant thing. And people that were not even remotely close to that action are affected. That's how the spirit realm works. It's an immediate trickle down that turns into a waterfall real quick. A generational curse. There is no scripture that says Abram was cursed. But Abram and his family, they were living in blindness. They were making idols. They were making idols, which if you've been reading the same book I have is contrary to the word of God. They were living in blindness. And when you subject yourself to that generation after generation... There is a blindness. There is a curse. It's your flesh. But Jesus, the Lord, offers Abram an opportunity. And like we said, who knows how many before he had offered this same opportunity. But but Abram, he decides. He says, I know What's expected of me? Because sometimes expectations can be extremely powerful things. You, you might be 
in a situation where that's not something that you would normally do. But an expectation has been placed on you. Sometimes those expectations can be positive. Sometimes those expectations can be negative. I know a lot about those. Growing up as a pastor's kid, everybody has these uh, expectations of you. Uh, I am a normal, I grew up a normal kid, just like all the other kids. I was bad, probably because of those expectations, maybe a little bit worse. But I'm familiar with expectations and their power. And sometimes individuals find themselves doing something, not because they want to, but because it's expected. But Abram said, I know what's expected of me. I know what, you have to, you have to read into scripture here. These are real life people. I know sometimes it, it just gets uh, easy to just read it as black and white. You know, there almost seems like a, a good narrative, good fictitious characters here. But these are real people, real emotions, real problems, real families. And he says, I know what's expected of me. Yep, they want, they're going to want me to be an idol maker. I'm expected to be an idol maker because, you know, that's... But the Lord, when everyone else around Abram said, that's an idol maker. The Lord said, that is the father of nations. I know that's a very simplistic thought. We've all read this particular portion of scripture before. The problem is not knowing, the problem is acting on this revelation. Most of, pretty much everything we'll ever read in this book is very simple. It's just the acting on what we know that can be a little more difficult. But there are expectations that are placed on each and every one of us. And God is knocking at our heart's door, and we have the opportunity to either step into that destiny that the Lord would have us to walk in, or we can say, you know what? I'm sorry, Lord. That's a gr- it sounds like a really good idea, but that's not quite what's expected of me. That's not quite, you know, I, I had some friends that I thought were uh, tremendously anointed, uh, but they're family was not in ministry per se, and there was a lot of expectation placed upon them to do other things. Now, I, don't get me wrong. Uh, we need apostolic engineers and apostolic doctors, apostolic teachers. My sister is one of them, and I'm proud of her. We need all those things, but we have to be careful not to place our own personal desires off on other individuals when they have a higher calling. Some people were called to be men of God, but their, they, their parents wanted them to be lawyers or their, their parents wanted them to be athletes. You're, are you all with me? Sorry, this is not going to be all hype tonight. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to get it out there that you have, there's a, there comes a, a very distinct moment in everybody's life where you have an opportunity to either become what you are expected to be or step into what God has destined you to be. The Lord, he's always seeking. And he will replace your curse with a blessing. You know, words have so much power 
sometimes there's expectations placed on us that are not as regal as an awesome career like being a lawyer, being a doctor. Sometimes there's generational curses and expectations that are placed upon us that have a much more uh, sinister and negative light. Just like Israel, and I'm not talking about the biblical Israel, I'm talking about my friend Israel. He's a Native American, and those of you that know uh, or have done any kind of work with Native Americans or read anything, uh, they are very prone to alcoholism and, and substance abuse. That's just something that's extremely prevalent on the reservation. So it, was, it would have been very typical if he would have been just like his father, OD'd. Just another statistic. Nothing abnormal about that. And for certain individuals in this room right now, there's been expectation placed upon you that you should rise no higher than the status quo. What your father struggled with, what your mother struggled with, what your grandfather struggled with, what your grandmother struggled with, whoever. There's expectations placed upon you by those around you. Uh, His dad was an alcoholic. That's what he'll be. Some of you may have even had those individuals tell you that's what you're going to be. You'll only ever be an idol maker. But for every voice that you hear saying you're just going to be an idol maker, the Lord is trying to tell you, no. No, I'm go- you're not an idol maker. That's what they think you're cut out to be. But I've, I've destined you to be a king maker. I've destined you to be the father of nations. We, we're not all called to be a patriarch. Don't get me wrong. That's not, what, that's not what I'm referencing. But I'm saying for every voice that has told you, you'll only ever be an idol maker. The Lord is trying to speak to you and say, no, that's a lie from the devil. I have more for you. I have more for you. If someone tells you you're, only, you're destined to a life of sin, you're destined to alcoholism, to drug abuse, to gambling, you'll never be able to keep a woman. Come on now, this is, this is a... This is a serious affliction of our brotherhood. It is a serious affliction of the church. We have so many individuals that are walking around damaged. Incapable of fully functioning for the kingdom because somebody spoke into their life a lie. And said, you know what? You're going to be an idol maker just like your father was an idol maker. Just like your mother was an idol maker. Lord, we take dominion right now over those voices, Jesus. Those voices that would speak lies into our lives, God. We take dominion over them by the power of the name of Jesus, Lord. And we lose liberty. We lose freedom that can only be found in your spirit, God. We bind up those afflictions, Jesus. We speak to those chains, God. And in the name of Jesus, we command them to be broken, Lord. By your power and by your might, God, break down strongholds right now. Loosen the grip of the enemy on hearts and minds, God. 
supernatural power sweep over this room right now. I read in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. said, and Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Yes, the same Abram who was only ever cut out to be an idol maker. That same Abram. Abram made a lot of mistakes. Even after he became Abraham, he made a lot of mistakes. You want to talk about a messed up family? Abraham had a messed up family. I've, t- I've said it before. I, I honor Abraham for who he is as a patriarch. But I, as, a, as a man, sometimes I read some of the things he did, I find it hard to respect him. We've all made choices like that. We've all made decisions like that. I, that's not to, dim, to diminish his, who he is in Scripture. I'm just saying, the man, he, at, at some point in time, he gave up his wife to be... A, he, uh, we won't even go into that. But I just don't... I, I, have, I have a hard time respecting someone like that. That's, that's, is that too human of me? We're all human. We all made dumb mistakes just like Abraham. He made another mistake. Gentlemen, we only ever need one woman. One woman is enough. More than one will get you killed. One woman. Amen. Come on now, I need more than just one amen on that. Amen. Thank you. He done messed up when got himself another woman. And we see another mistake that ended up getting an innocent cursed. Abraham, he walks away with this stellar legacy. He's the patriarch. But Ishmael's got to walk away with the curse. That's the problem with mistakes that you make in the spiritual realm. Too often... You're not around to see the devastation that it causes later on down the road. Isaac, the legacy continues. He had two sons that couldn't stand each other. You know how many times Esau laid awake at night plotting. When I get a hold of that guy. Mm-mm-mm. Jacob knew it too. Man, he, he had the choice between fighting the Lord and fighting his brother. He chose the Lord, if that tells you anything. He said, I'll wrestle with you all night, God. Just please don't let that guy catch up with me. Jacob. He had a problem with favoritism. 
and almost got his favorite son killed. In any other situation, these instances would have been completely devastating. Do you know the only thing that protected this family? There was an umbrella. There was a blessing on them. The only thing that kept them was there was a blessing on them. The Lord said, because you decided to follow after me, I'm going to make you the father of nations. And your family, they're going to have some serious problems. But I'm going to be over you like a covering, like an umbrella. Because you have made a conscious decision. You're not going to be an idol maker. You're going to be a king maker. And I'm going to honor that decision. There's a promise over you. There's a blessing over you. And everything that comes against you will not be able to destroy you. Because he, was, he had activated something supernatural. Abraham was never around to see it. I don't even know if he ever truly fathomed what the Lord had promised him. He looked up into the sky and said, wow, it's one thing to try to perceive something. It's one thing for someone to convey their dream to you. It's another thing for you to see it come to pass. But that's not what matters. What matters is Abraham, or Abraham had the foresight to say, Lord, I believe in you. I cannot perceive it. That's the thing about all God's promises. We think we are so smart. How do I know? I do it all the time. I think I understand. We were talking on the way home. His brother Ham had brought something up. He brought up uh, about how, you know, you're driving down the road. Your, your wife knows exactly what you're thinking. I came into the room the other day. I was holding the baby, feeding Wesley. Whitney was playing with Vivian, and I literally just walked into the room. I did not say anything. I don't think we'd, we'd talked in the last couple hours. I'd been down studying and feeding, hanging out with the baby and came into the room, and she looked at me, and she literally read my mind. And I'm thinking, get out of my head, woman. <laughs> and we were talking on the way home. She said, I can read your mind, but you still can't understand what I'm thinking. <laughs> Girl, for a good reason. The day I, I'm gonna, the day I get trapped in, in your head, it's going to be like, oh, so this is what this feels like. And then all of a sudden, it's going to start to get tight. And I'm going to be like, get me out of here. Get me. What is going on in here? They say... Men have little boxes for everything. And that for women, everything is interconnected. I believe it. Because I can, something can be completely removed from us. We're at the grocery store. And I say grocery cart or something. And that's a trigger. <laughs> Pulls up a memory from 2,000 years ago. Pulled right out of the data bank. I'm thinking, <laughs> okay. I'm just going to be a mute. We'll communicate with signs. <laughs> I have no clue why I'm talking about this. <laughs> yeah. even, even Abraham made 
mistakes. And we see those play out in the lives of his children. But what mattered is that he had a supernatural promise. A blessing that could not be broken over his family's life. If I could say this, young people, we have parents in our lives for a very specific reason. A, so that we don't get killed before we're 10 years old. Especially boys. Mothers will know what I'm talking about. And B, so that we can actually succeed in life. And so it's our duty Young ladies, young men, it's our duty to honor our parents. Regardless of whether you agree and regardless of whether they are wrong or not. Because, Brother Ham, am I wrong? Parents are not always right. Parents are, I know, I know that's mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. But it's our duty to honor them. And when we honor them, we activate a supernatural blessing. If you will honor your father and your mother, the Lord, he will look out for you. He will look out for you. And parents, it is our duty. Can I just say this? We love our kids, but God loves our kids more. And we can't allow our own ambitions or our own fears to be imprinted on our young people. It is our duty to make sure our desires for them line up with God's word. This is something I pray for every day. Because there's a lot of things Jesse would like to do. Yes. We have all been there. Where I have made some dumb mistakes, but don't worry. I can live vicariously at some point in time through my kids. We're all at some point faced with that. That's real life. You know, I, I had a really good friend, actually, um, her father, well, we won't go there. <laughs> Every now and then, you got to, you know, pump the brakes. You know what I'm saying? Sister Arthur, elder sister Arthur, she knew what I'm saying. She said, yeah. Mm-hmm. Shut it down. Shut it down. I'll say this, though. Sometimes we can protect our kids right out of the will of God. We can protect our kids right out of the will of God. I, I, at one point in time, I had uh, as many as four pit bulls. I love pit bulls because they're, they're misunderstood. They got a bad rep, you know, kind of gangsters. I like that. I like that in a dog. Uh, but the, thing, the funny thing is, all my dogs were all teddy bears. In fact, I had these four big old ferocious-looking pit bulls in the front yard. And uh, two elderly ladies with the Jehovah's Witness 
had the audacity to just come through the yard when everybody else was scared. And I was like, you guys are useless. Absolutely useless. You're supposed to look ferocious. Nobody's supposed to come up in the front yard. Don't even look at me. I, I was mind blown. Anyways, I had three of them I, I had raised from the time that they were very small. But one of them I, I got, and um, I had not raised him. And he had spent most of his life living on a chain. And I, I just, uh, I don't, all, I, I'm of the school, I know this will offend some of you, but uh, I don't keep animals in the house. I'm animal enough in the house. But I don't keep animals in the house. So all my animals are outside animals. That worked in Arizona. That's why I didn't bring them here. Freeze their little tushes off. But um, they, I never kept any of my dogs on a chain. And so I, my, in my infinite wisdom, the first thing I did was, no, this dog will, that is so inhumane. This animal will not live on a chain. I refuse. Brother Maury, you know the first thing that dog did when I let it off the chain? Boom! He was gone. And if you guys know anything about pit bulls, they're extremely athletic. He cleared a six-foot fence before I even had a chance to take a breath. <laughs> he didn't even touch it. He just cleared it. And I was thinking, okay, so that's how that's going to go. <laughs> Honey, we're going to need a chain. <laughs> chain or <laughs> And it took me a long, long time. And I, my dogs, they would, uh, I would walk kind of later in the evening so that nobody was out. And I would let the, I would, I would never walk them on a leash because they'd all walk right next to me. Well, I'm slowly trying to break this dog in, you know, like every now and then let him off the leash for a couple seconds, see what he does. Man, we were getting good too. He was starting to walk the walk, talk the talk, take the treats. He, he was getting it down. Sure enough, I was literally just about to put the leash on him one day because we were about to make our way back through a, a residential area. We were leaving a doggy park. And if this dude does not see, there are no animals living in Arizona. It's a desolate, barren wasteland. There's no source of water, no vegetation. But sure enough, I kid you not. There was like 12, I, I looked down and I looked up and there was like 12 rabbits right out there in the field. Houdini'd out of nowhere. Demonically inspired, I tell you. And I literally had the little, just a little bit of the clasp on his collar. And it, he didn't look up and see those about the same time I did. And about dislocated my arm and took off. But the point being is this. If I'd had the opportunity to raise him from a pup like my other dog's. He would not have run. My other dogs, they stayed put. They were actually, you know, good. They were chill. They'd had their opportunity to chase rabbits before. I'd let them make their mistakes when they were little, and they actually couldn't catch them. Uh, this guy could actually catch them, and then I'm having to explain to all the joggers why I have a ferocious rabbit eating. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a totally different story. That was all bad, but... Um, a chain dog will always run. A chain dog will always run. Y'all ever heard that saying? A chain dog will always run. And we have to be careful. I've seen a lot of young people robbed out of opportunities for the kingdom. 
because there was a chain on them. That chain might have been for their protection or perceived protection. But because that chain was not ever taken off and they were never trained on how to make mistakes, there has to be room for error. Uh, I don't want to use the term laissez-faire because that's extremely loose, but uh, my, my parents were, wouldn't you agree, they were pretty loose with us. We kind of, yeah, we, yeah. You know, stay out of the house. Don't, don't come back till 6. They, hey, since they ain't here, I'm going to tell on them for real. They, they say that ain't a thing, but that was a thing, my friends. That was a thing. Dad, hear it on the recording. Uh, no, but that gave us the opportunity. There was room for error. Gave us the opportunity to make mistakes. Make them when we weren't really strong enough, smart enough to really get ourselves in trouble. But individuals sometimes, they'll, if you keep your children too close, they will miss out on opportunities that the kingdom has for them, that the Lord has for them. I don't I, And in an effort to protect someone, you can rob them of the opportunity to be a kingmaker. I know that's very difficult because there's a very fine line, very fine line. And trust me, protection is absolutely essential. I, I, those of you that have any dealings with kids these days, even of a very young age, if they are not churched, these kids know some things that straight up blew my mind. Stuff I didn't even know till, man, I was in high school, maybe even later than that. These kids done been giving me an education. I'm serious. Protection is so important. I, I want to emphasize that. I'm not saying just like, hey, kick them out of the house, you know, sink or swim, survive. We're practicing Darwinism. <laughs> yeah. Throw them in the water, going around the house. I smell a weak link. <laughs> no. We have to be so very careful. That's not just our children, too. New converts. Boy, the, the church will either struggle with one or two problems. Either no one will pick up a new convert and work with them. That's probably the biggest one. Or when you get a new convert, your new convert can succeed, just not more than you. Look, I, I, don't get me wrong. I, I want you to really thrive in the kingdom. But I need you to stay here because so, I got I to gotta continue to look good if you don't mind. It continues on. You're in a position. You know, this is why every now and then, Things got to get purged. If you are not of the mindset that you're training someone else to replace you, then you're not really about it. Everything that we do has to be for others. At no point has this ever been about me or about you specifically. This has always been about him and about his kingdom. And if we lose sight on that, we can get territorial. And we can cause those around us to lose out 
on an opportunity. And they are forced or expected to stay an idol maker. I, uh, I, won't, I won't pry uh, too, or I, I won't give too many details, but I'm familiar with several instances specifically regarding Bishop. I believe it was your father that told you that you wouldn't make it. And then another individual in the church. Two times he was told, look, I, I think you're on a little kick right now. Good for you. You've had a spiritual experience. But you'll never last. And if you do last, you'll never do anything of importance. That is not an isolated problem. And unfortunately, that is not just found outside of the church. We have multiple situations, multiple instances, multiple times, multiple individuals where a voice said, and oftentimes it was a voice that should have been trusted. Like I said, in Bishop's instance, I believe it was your father. Am I quoting that correctly? It was your father. Your father, Brother Moore. And don't get me wrong. I am not by any means preaching against family. I am preaching to family. But you've got to realize if Jesus is not at the center of your family, you need to be prepared. You need to be prepared. Because if God is not at the center, if there is not a supernatural umbrella of protection and human beings are involved, you will end up an idol maker. If you do not make up in your mind, Lord, every opportunity that you give me. Is there somebody in the house that believes this? Every opportunity, Lord, that you give me. I know what's been spoken over me. I know what's going on in my family, Lord, but I refuse. I will not be an idol maker. We can't allow ourselves to be distracted. It's, it's a, it's a catch-22 where the thing that can make you the strongest can actually hold you back the most. I've told you before, one of the first lessons that pastor ever taught me, I was a little kid. I, hadn't, I wasn't even in elementary school yet. I'll never forget it as long as I live. He took me out in the field. He gave me a stick, and he said, break it, and I broke it. And he said, that's you, weak, all by yourself. Four years old, I'm, I'm not quite grasping the analogy yet, Dad. <laughs> and then he told me, now I want you to go pick up several more sticks. Good, strong ones. And they were just, just little branches. And I held them all in my hands. And he said, now break them. And try it as I could. I could not break them. And he said, that's us. He said, when we stick together, nothing can break us. And that is true. We rely on our family. Our family. We have to be bound together. We have to be inseparable. And the only way that is truly achievable is when the Lord is involved. But be aware. 
The thing that can make you the strongest can also hold you back the most. And we have to be so careful that we do not fall prey to this. A, allowing people to tell us, you're an idol maker. Yes, I know you're saved. Good for you. You come to church. But I know what you are. Idol maker. See, I know this thing about your family. Your dad was an idol maker. I'm proud of you for going to church, and that's good. I think you're, you're really getting something there. And I'm glad you have friends there, little buddy. But you're an idol maker. When you're grafted into this, when you are grafted into this, when you go down in that, idol maker is stripped from your lineage. You are grafted into something greater. And the Lord says, I don't make her no more. I have a dream for you. I have a vision for you. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1 talks pretty extensively. Actually, it's, it's one of the best portions of Scripture for a very hotly debated subject in theology, predestination. Very clearly says the Lord has predestined us. And he has. But no law can be superimposed over this one law. The power of choice. And the Lord, he made it so. You have the power of choice. And so you can take what the Lord has predestined you to do. And you can crumble it up in a ball, throw it in the trash. The trash man can pick it up, take it to the dump, and it's lost forever. Because just, just because God has predestined you to do something does not mean it will be so. Because we have a little something called the power of choice. And you can negate God's promise on your life. You can negate that predestination on your life. Simply making the choice not to walk in his promises. Abram, like we've said several times before, I don't know. It doesn't say specifically. But when the Lord talks to one, he's also talking to another. Be sure of it. Every now and then something interesting will happen in the spirit that is just kind of strange to me. Like, for example, I'd never heard of families washing each other's feet at the foot washing ceremony. Never, never heard of it before. I've been doing this thing for a couple years, never heard of it. I thought it was phenomenal. I'm like Brother Ham. I was truly blessed by that. The most unusual thing happened. My wife tells me, hey, you know what Casa Grande did? Their church, her home church, they did the weirdest thing. We're not in communication at all throughout the course of the week. They did the exact same thing as us. When the Lord is talking to one, he's talking to another. I guarantee you, he talked to several before Abram, Abram answered. He did. I guarantee you. But only Abram answered. Only Abram answered. And he said, I know what they have said about me. That I'm destined to be an idol maker. But Lord... 
I want to follow after you. And you're telling me to get away from my family. Something that I'm going to fail to do because I'm still going to take Lot with me. But I'm going to get away from my family. Get away from this country. And I'm going to follow after you. And as a result, he became a kingmaker where only an idol maker was before. The things that make us strong can also hold us back. And I, I want to say this, and I again, I'm preaching to family, not against family. But if I could just speak something into your lives right now, don't get distracted. The little skirmishes going on in your family. There is always drama. There's always hubbub. There's always commotion. There's always someone making a dumb choice. You want to know the best way to ruin your witness with your family? Get involved and take a side. You want to ruin your witness with your family? Get involved and take a side. I, I, I'm about to sound like my dad right now, and it's just, I'm not sure if I'm 100% cool with it, but Henny Penny and Goosey Lucy, man, he's been saying that mess since I was a little kid, so I got to say it. It just sounds fun. <laughs> Henny Penny said to Goosey Lucy, and they got me, yeah, that did sound just as bad as I thought it was going to sound. Let's not do that again. Pretend like that never happened. But if you want to ruin your witness with your family, get involved in the drama. And I recognize there's some things that you are connected to that you just can't escape. You're involved. But if we will take every effort to say, Lord, help me to bring peace to this situation. Don't make me another aspect of the problem. Because don't get it wrong. Don't get me twisted. It is so easy. These are the people that we are closest to, that we love more than anything, really, besides Christ. These are the people that know us. They know you. They, all, they know all the nitty-gritty details, everything you ever done, all the reasons why you're not qualified, and they can say something that will stick you under the fifth rib and really make it hurt, make you cry, make you go wah-wah to mommy, and then get her involved. But if you will enter every situation and say, Lord, bring peace to my mind and peace to this family. There are so many, so many, so many, so many, so many backsliders in this community. And if there's one thing I know about Richmond since I moved here, that is everybody, my friends, is related. Everybody. 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 Man, I remember the first, I, I grew up in, in, in South Florida where, uh, I mean, it's the Miami Metro. It's just huge, and you, you could go your whole life and never see the same person again. And then we then we moved to the East Bay, San Francisco, one of the largest metros in the U.S. Then we come here, and I'd be seeing the same people every day, like on, out on the street. People I don't even know. I'm like, start, we're starting to get into a routine. Like, we go to work at the same time. I'm like, hey, how you doing? Don't know them by name, but. Come to find out, invite them to church. Oh, yeah, I know that church. I got a brother down there and a sister down there. And uh, my, 
third cousins on my mother's side down there. You better be careful around this town. You can mess up your witness real quick. Everybody's related. And that's why it's so important that we enter every family situation with the peace of God and the wisdom of God. Because there are a lot of kingmakers out there that are confused and thinking they're idol makers because that's what they've been told their whole lives. Sorry. I think you had a good thing going there, but you're an idol maker. Am I preaching to somebody tonight? Are, are you all with me? Is this the truth? We can't get distracted. Some of the best things not to do we can find in Abraham's family tree right here. Just in these few chapters. A couple things not to do. Don't have favorites. Don't have favorites. I'll say it one more time because it's, it's just so it's mind-blowing. Please don't have favorites. Amongst your family, amongst your peers. You know, we, we've got this thing, best friends. This has become really popular. Only best friends I got is Jesus and my wife. All the rest of y'all are just my friends. <laughs> All equal. Yes. Comrades. <laughs> All equal. We can't get distracted by favoritism. We can't be drawn into choosing sides. And we can't be deceived by those who would try to ordain our destiny for us. The only one that can predestine a man is God. And in the only individual that can make sure that predestination comes to life is you. The only ones that have power over our destiny. The Lord said, this is what I want you to be. I want you to be a kingmaker. And Abraham made the choice to step in to God's vision for his life. He made some mistakes along the way. We all will make some mistakes along the way. But this one thing you must do, you must choose. You must choose to follow after God's will for your life. Because that is the only way the umbrella of protection will be placed over you. And that is the only way you will survive. Trials will come. Problems will come. Mistakes will come. But the only way we can fulfill the role of kingmaker is if we are protected by God's supernatural hand. More than anything in life. I want to be a kingmaker. I want my children to be kingmakers. I want my grandchildren to be kingmakers. I want my great-grandchildren to be kingmakers. And that sounds even strange to say. But if I have learned one thing, it's that the choices that I make right now, I will probably never even see the fulfillment of what occurs as a result of them. My children will. My grandchildren will. My great-grandchildren will. 
my, my great-grandmother, who won my grandfather to the Lord. She died the year I was born. She had the opportunity to see a partial fulfillment of her legacy. But that legacy has continued to grow and to grow and to grow. And so long as there is breath in this body, I will fight to see that continue to grow. But we will never be able to fully comprehend everything that comes to pass as a result of the choices that we make. That's why it's so important above all else we choose. Lord, I will follow after you. More than anything, God, I want to be like Abram and say simply this. Yes, Lord. Where you want me to go, that's where I'll go. And as a result, we see, like we talked about, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. That's such a tremendous, there's probably no legacy greater than that. To say your offspring was Christ Jesus. It's a tremendous honor. But we each have the honor to take on the name of Christ. We become his sons and his daughters when we take on the name. When we simply make the decision, Lord, I'll follow after you. It's as easy as that. A simple decision can make you an idol maker or a king maker. An idol maker or a king maker. If you all will stand with me. The Lord says in his word that he wills that none would perish. He wills that none would perish. But many have perished. And will continue to perish. It's up to us. It is up to us to make one simple decision. Lord, your will be done in my life. Where you would have me to go, that's where I want to go. I told my wife, I said, you know, one day... Many years from now, it doesn't matter how awesome you are or what great feats you do. Eventually, at some point in history, no one will remember you. No one will remember you. It will be like you were never even there. Nothing. We were made of the dust. We returned to the dust. The only thing that will have ever mattered is if you made this one simple decision. One simple choice. God, I know what's expected of me. I'm an idol maker. God, I want to chase after you. You've spoken and I want to obey you. That will be the only thing 
that will have mattered. And then your name will be written down in the Lamb's book of life. And if I am not remembered anywhere else, I need to be remembered there. If my name is found nowhere else in the archives of history, my name must be found there. Just one simple choice that makes you an idol maker or a king maker. Just one simple choice that lands you in the Lamb's book of life. Follow after God. It's very simple, like I said at the beginning of the message. It's all very simple. Very simple instructions. The challenge is just in doing them. Day after day after day after day. I choose to follow after you, God. Allow your supernatural protection and your blessings to be upon me, upon my wife, upon my children and their children and so on. This is a brand new year, 2020. We've been blessed with another one. It's another year that all of us don't deserve. Another opportunity to draw closer to a God that we do not deserve. Another opportunity to serve a king whose sandals we're not even worthy to look at, let alone hold. Another opportunity. At the start of this year, will you make the decision, Lord, I want to follow after you. And not just for me, God. I want my children and my children's children to be kingmakers. I want there to be a blessing upon their lives. Lord, the people that I win to you, I want there to be a blessing on their lives. These altars are open. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place. It's all right. There's no need to be afraid of the silence. It says there was a great earthquake. But the Lord, he wasn't in the earthquake. And there was a fire. But the Lord wasn't in the fire. And there was a wind. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. 
And when they had all subsided, there was a still small voice. There's a still small voice speaking to somebody in this room tonight. These altars are open. 